what we're going to talk about today is your ADD superpower, your um, attention deficit disorder, which isn't really a disorder. It should be called an ADS, your attention deficit superpower or something like that, or your ADHD thing. Welcome to the Aaron LeBauer Show. This is the number one show for passionate physical therapy and healthcare entrepreneurs looking to level up their income and impact on the world. If that's you, then you're in the right place. So sit back, chill out, and let's get into the show. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron, and welcome back to the Aaron LeBauer Show. Um, hope you've been enjoying the episodes. I've gotten a lot of great feedback from everyone, so... Um, you know, don't hesitate to if uh, to send me a message over on Instagram if something inspires you, um, or you get something uh, like an aha moment to you know share it on Instagram in your stories, Facebook, etc., um, or even leave us a rating and review. I would love to get your feedback and know what you like, what you love, what you'd love to hear more about. I'm just going to share with you a few things that uh, have allowed me to grow my business, a few things that I struggled with and hopefully some insights for you so that you can um, lock on, rock out, and help some people, make some money, etc. You know, it's funny. It's because like, oh, this is the whole ADD episode, and I'm just like all over the place in the beginning. But that's exactly it. That's kind of how my brain works. So here's what I, what I did before the episode is I wrote down all my thoughts, and I'm going to read them out and try to go through it. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit. Uh, hopefully, I'll tell you a little bit about me and you'll get some insights about um, you. And if you don't have ADD, you either have it and have never realized it, or you don't have it, and maybe hopefully you'll gain some insights about someone in your life who does. Um, I don't know what the stats are, I probably should have looked it up, but a majority of entrepreneurs have some kind of ADD or ADHD. You know, it's like, we weren't good in school. Um, You know, school, um, trains you to be a great worker and an employee, and if you don't fit that model, then you're told that you're less than. <laughs> you're told that you are not good enough, and uh, you're kind of maybe shamed into thinking you're stupid. Um, you can't do things like everyone else, you know, because that's the model of school. <laughs> I mean, what's so what's the problem? You know, you've been told you're stupid for not remembering things. Shit, even. You know, I was trying to remind my daughter the other day, and she's like, oh, I'm so stupid. I'm like, you are not stupid. You are smart. <laughs> you are too smart. I'm just reminding you that this is something that you wanted to do. And I'll tell you, talk a little bit about that in a minute. Um, you know, it's like you've kind of been implied, it's been implied that you're stupid or less than or not smart enough because you can't remember things. You forget stuff, right? You can't bring in your homework. You forget your jacket. You know, maybe maybe like me, you were sat in a room with eight other kids in your class with no windows and told to just study harder. And that was in was that in seventh grade? It was before high school. So it was like before high school, it was like seventh or eighth grade. You know, no longer was I taking Spanish or French. Was it French? No, I don't remember. Let's see. Sixth grade. So we took French all the way through fifth, kindergarten through fifth grade, and then sixth, seventh, and eighth. We're supposed to keep. We're supposed to start taking Spanish. But instead of taking Spanish, what they did is they took four or five of us. They were like, oh, these kids aren't going to learn another foreign language. Sit in a room and use it as a study session. I mean, it didn't improve our grades. <laughs> I mean, it really didn't. Um, you know, I was just told to just study harder. Maybe, you know, you've been reprimanded for not for forgetting your homework. I remember in third grade, Miss 
was her Miss Duncan or Dunker or something like that, gave me a hard time, you know, for not remembering my homework. And so me and, you know, half the kids, some of the same kids that were in the, in fifth grade in this room with no windows with me, we were all given little homework sheets, you know, so that we can get our homework done. I still couldn't get it. And we had to show it to her every day. I still couldn't get it right. I couldn't stitch the pillow on time that we were doing. And the way I see school systems and like even, um, I met with my daughter's like advisor or something. They were like, what are your concerns? And my number, I was like, my number one concerns are that, um, she's not uh, reprimanded for being creative, you know, and doing things in a different way. You know, I was like, I am not concerned with my kids getting A's. I'm concerned that they are given opportunities to thrive, you know, and if she's talking out and she's not engaged, I was like, that's not her fault. Uh, And I was like, that is the teacher's, that is on the teacher. And I do not want my child being told that it's her fault for not being engaged because if she's not being engaged, it's not interesting to her. You know, (laughs) okay, right? That's how I see it. And that's how I've always seen it. And I knew like, hey, we send my kids to school and if they don't thrive, like we need to find somewhere else. But it's not um, just about having accommodations. It's about having um, education in front of you that's interesting and engaging. I can definitely see why some people are going to homeschool their kids um, for that reason. But I I can't do that. <laughs> you know, I don't have the, the time and the patience and, and all that. that is not me. But I'm going to leverage the school and my knowledge to help my kids. So let me get back on track. So here's the other problem. Like maybe you've identified this as like, you know, I always struggled to get A's, you know, but maybe as a physical therapist or healthcare provider, you're intuitive about people's problems. You read their emotions better. You're great with their hands. Like for me, like even with vintage scooters, it's pretty much once I do something with my hands once, like I get it. But if you give me a bunch of uh, instructions, I'm like, oh, I, ugh. Written instructions are a little bit better than audio auto, audio instructions. Um, I'm more audible, like I have more of an auditory processing um, I can capability and disorder than anything else. So I can listen to a podcast and do something. Right, it's I can listen while I'm doing. So like even at the I was at BK Live this weekend, and you know it's like these speakers are speaking, but I'm like I can't just fully focus on them speaking because nothing's happening with my body. So that's why people fidget. I'll fidget a lot. But so what I'm doing is I'm doing some stuff like scrolling, replying to um, messages for my team through Slack and Instagram, and I'm also listening to the speakers and I'm processing it that way. And so that's where you might have been told you're not paying attention, you don't pay attention to me, et cetera, is because you're processing the information. So one of the things I do with my kids, and I'm like, I can't tell if they've processed it or acknowledged me. I'm like, raise your hand if you heard the instructions, and they'll raise their hands. <laughs> like, okay, cool. So there's a, a lot of other little ways. Um, even right now, I got to have something in my hands. I'm standing up recording this podcast. Um, could I record it on the go? Or riding my bike, maybe. But if I'm also, if I'm going too hard riding my bike, I can't, I can talk, but um, it might not be the same. But I can listen to music and train. I can listen to podcasts and train. The other interesting thing that happens, though, is I'll be on the phone call with my mom, and she'll be like, what's that noise in the background? I'm like, I'm doing dishes, or I'm working out. And she's like, oh, it's too loud. And there's this, like, sensitivity right to noise 
or to distractions. You've probably noticed this where it's like there's this loud noise in the background. And you're like, what the fuck is that noise? I can't pay attention. And everyone's different. Um, but for me, it's um, not attention. It's not that I can't pay attention. It's not that my daughter can't pay attention. It's that there's other distracting things that are more interesting. So maybe there's something loud happening or something sensory happening. Um, I remember when, uh, or, or something else, and it's like it feels like you're not paying attention because you get distracted because you're not able to lock on because I'll talk about locking on in a minute. Locking on is a superpower, um, but it has to be something that like you're passionate about. So I remember, I remember in PT school we had an occupational therapist come speak to us, and she talked about um, like processing. I don't even, can't even remember what she was talking. I really can't remember what she was talking about. But I remember the aha moments where this, where she was talking about taking um, kids with autism and other like. Uh, processing disorders and you put them on the swings and you would put them on a swing and then do hands-on work with them because the swing is stimulating their uh, vestibular system and so um, that's almost allowing it to calm down and that's one of the other you know, so that's one of the other reasons why I like high stimulus a lot of people with ADD like high stimulus environments um, you do your best work right at the beginning of the deadline I like racing bicycles I love it more than kettlebells or more than running is because you're going fast downhill. You're going fast in a group and you have to be paying attention or you're going to fall off. And it's just, it's allowing my, it allows my brain to calm down and clear out. So I had back to PD school. She's talking about this and I'm going, Oh, I don't just have this like attention thing. I have a, uh, like a, a tactile and a stimular, what was it called? A, a sensory processing kind of issue where either um, too much stimulus or too little stimulus isn't right and I'm not getting enough stimulus to my brain to pay attention to my body to my nervous system and so um, these are all these things and I've learned a lot I'm, so look I went to PT school when I was in my how old was I I was in my 30s and I went to college when I was in my 20s and now I have uh, I'm 49 and I have a, a kid who's 12 who's got the same issues that I do and she's taught me a ton over the last four or five years as she's gotten into school and gotten in trouble for speaking out and you know having trouble studying let me just go backwards and say you know, there was that third grade I, I couldn't I couldn't stitch a pillow on time in fifth grade I was put in a room with no windows you know, in 11th or 12th grade, my mom got me evaluated and I got untimed SAT test. And it, I got, I, I got one point extra for an untimed test. Like the length of time didn't matter to me. Um, I got out of school, did a whole bunch of other stuff you may or may not have heard about. <laughs> you know, like I worked as a temp. I lived in Israel. I raced bicycles. Um, I worked as a bike messenger. But in college, in college, I was sitting down to study one night in the like study hall and I was sitting there just like I could read like a couple hundred pages it was nuts I was like oh, I'm gonna do this and my brother I was a junior and my brother uh, David came in and David's the scientist David's also the kid that lost like 20 jackets in middle school because he just leave them at friends houses and at school and whatnot um 
and he and we chatted for a couple hours and we were chatting and he's and I was like oh this is great I get to hang out with my brother and get to know him and he's like all right Aaron I've got to go read for a few hours and I'm like how the hell do you read for a few hours like read for a few hours I got like five minutes and I'm asleep <laughs> and uh, he goes well that's why I take Ritalin and I was like huh like okay and he's like he's like here try some <laughs> i was like okay and i took some ritalin and holy shit i got to read i read for four hours and i was like oh this is it and so i went and i got a i called my my therapist and i was like and i told her this story and she's like oh yeah but you were smart enough in high school you know that you didn't need medication I'm like okay great yeah like i got bees i mean shit i got into duke um, but i got into duke on B's and a couple A's and like A's in math and science. Like I had a 620 on my SAT and a 450 on my verbal. And this is the SAT from the 90s. So there's a different scoring system now. But back then the max was 1600. And 450 was really low. But 620 was not in the top percent. It wasn't over a 700, but it was pretty good. I mean, I hadn't taken pre-calculus or anything like that. Um, and that was one of my first aha moments. And then I got to PT school. And, you know, I, I think I, I realized I almost pe- like failed neuroanatomy. And my professor was like, Aaron, you need to change something the way you're studying. I'm just trying to memorize stuff. Yeah, I'm good with my hands, good with doing things. Um, and he was like, you need to draw it out and use some colored pencils. It's like, holy cow, that helped. Like putting it down on paper. If you've identified, you, you may have some of these similar issues. You know, this is where like that whole like, part of the 80% is good enough comes from. It's like, it doesn't need to be perfect. You're never, you don't need an A. Like I, it was hard for me to get A's. I can tell you what, when I started taking Ritalin in college and had it prescribed, I started getting A's and B's instead of B's and C's because it allowed me to sit and focus more on what I needed to do. Wasn't always necessarily what I wanted to do. That's what I needed to do to, to get out of school and pass. Like I went to Duke. It was very competitive. Like a C was pretty terrible. <laughs> B's were okay. Most kids got A's. I was ranked 1,500 out of 1,650 in my class with a 3.2 grade point average. Let me shift uh, directions here for a second and just tell you that if you have ADD or ADHD, you have superpowers. You may recognize what they are or you may not yet. I can tell you this. You're probably a problem solver. You probably see the world in a different way than most people do. And that's to your advantage. Everyone has told you you don't fit in the box. You should not be in that box. It, my favorite cartoons, I talk about this a little bit, I think on one of my webinars, but it's this far side cartoon. And it's um, got this little kid, he's holding some books and he's pushing on this door and it says Midvale School for the Gifted above the door. And on the door it says, pull. And he's pushing. <laughs> I'm like, that's what most people are doing is, they're these gifted A students and they're just trying to push a door that can't be pushed open when all it needs to be is pulled open. And so for me, kind of my my ADD superpower is going, oh, there must be another door around the corner that's open. It's like it's like most people are trying to like push through something that can't be pushed through, where I can see that, you know, hey, there's another door open around the corner. And that's kind of my superpowers. I can see solutions to problems other people can't see for themselves. One, because they just don't see the world in a similar way. Two, you're just too close to the problem to really see a solution. Um, so for me, 
it's solving my my ADD superpower is solving problems, you know, and also locking onto a target and a goal and not letting go. There's kind of two of them. It's like number one, it's the solving the problems, like, and and it gets me in trouble a lot too. But it also helps me as I can see solutions to problems. It's why patients used to come to me as a massage therapist say, Aaron, you touched me exactly where it hurts. That's the exact problem. And no one I've been to yet in the last five or six years, the physicians, acupuncturists, the physical therapists, massage therapists, orthopedic surgeons, whoever, chiropractors, they haven't been able to touch me where it hurt. And I'm like, really? Like, this is weird. Like, we're talking like easy muscles, um, quads, you know, like traps, infraspinatus, suboccipitals. I mean, these aren't like, you know, quadratus lumborum. These are not like crazy muscles. These aren't like really hard to find or palpate. I mean, unless you're Helen Hislop and she obviously can't palpate the quadratus lumborum because that was in her book, but you know, I don't think she cares anymore. I remember that in PT school. I was like, you can't, you can't palpate it. I mean, yeah, no, directly I'm only touching skin, but I can definitely feel that muscle. Um, I can solve, I, I can see solutions to problems. I can't see all of them, but I can see a lot of them, right? And there's a lot of other things that I see or have intuitively, um, but this is the big one. Um, it's the thing that allows me to charge $250 an hour for physical therapy when everyone else is only charging a copay. I mean, we've been doing physical therapy. I've been doing cash-based physical therapy since 2009. People are paying me $85 an hour as a massage therapist, when as a PT, I could go get a job for $45 an hour. You know, it's the thing that allows me to, to charge money for physical therapy when you don't think you can. Well, you probably can if you're listening to this podcast. I'm a problem solver. So you come in with your body and you're like, these things hurt. And I'm like, these things don't move well. Um, I can touch you and I can go, this is where the problem is. And let's fix it. And it's like, boom, everyone else has tried. You came to see Aaron. Aaron, I didn't necessarily fix it for you. I found the place for you and I showed you the right things to do, right? That's why I'm a business coach. It's because I can help people not only use what I've done and say, hey, replicate what we've done, but really my job is not to solve your problems as your coach. My job is to give you bigger and better problems and you come to me, you're like, Aaron, I tried this, it didn't work. Okay, great. Try it this way. Use this name, use this term, add this other strategy. Don't do that strategy, etc. And it allows people to get faster results than I ever thought possible. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, gosh, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, People like Hannah Schweitzer, who was already doing like 15, 18K months and came and put in some systems and is doing like, well, she, I think it just got a thing and she's doing like 24K months in just a few months and has systems and has hired people and is growing rapidly. Like it has an online program. I mean, you know, talk about like you've already doing well and you're doing, now you're doing better and you're growing and you have a path or people that come in and double their revenue. I mean, I, there's a lot of stories, but I wanted to share a new one. There's people who come in and who just graduate and make $9,000 in their first month before they're even doing physical therapy like Maria Wisman. I mean, there's a lot of things like that. It's like, there's a lot of other things that go with it. Um, but what I'm saying is 
I mean, like, just like my patients, I mean, I've had people come to me who've had their own business for three or four years, um, and only doing three or four K a month. And then within three months they're doing nine, 10, 12, 15 K months by themselves and then ready to grow. Look, this problem solving thing, it's also what gets me in trouble in my personal relationships. So number one, like with my kids, with my wife, specifically my youngest, I'm like, she's like, oh, I have this problem. I'm like, okay, well, here's the answer. But that's not what she wants. She just wants me to listen to her just like I want people to listen to me. It's what got me in, in trouble in a lot of my conversations with my ex-wife. She'd sit down and want to tell me about her problems. Or really, what she wanted to do was process. And what I'm hearing are problems that she wants solved. And I'd be like, well, why don't you just do this? That would be easy. <laughs> I mean, to me, it'd be like, why don't you just do this thing? And, you know, little, th I mean, to me, it was little things. To her, it was like she hadn't made a decision that she wanted to change it yet. And so over time and through some therapy and, and personal development and growth, I learned to ask, okay, is this something I can hear that you're struggling? Is this something that you'd like some help solving? Or would you just like to process this together and listen? This is also the thing, the superpower that bugs me about my mom when I talk to her. My mom will ask, how are you doing? And I say, you know, I'm doing all right. You know, she was like, well, what's going on today? I was like, well, I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do about spring break next year because my kids have spring break at two different times. And I'm just trying to figure it out. And she'll jump in and be like, well, why don't you do this? I'm like, mom, I don't even, I, I didn't ask you for help. I just told you what was going on. And, and, you know, I'm like, I don't need the solution right now. Or I'll say, yeah, thank you very much. That's a great, that's a great suggestion. <laughs> But because my mom has the same thing and she just wants to solve. And, and part of it is solving problems is, is also one of those things where you feel like if, if the other person is happy, you're okay. Right. Or if the other person is unhappy, you're not okay. And that's not that healthy. Right. And that's not a healthy relationship. You should be okay. Like allow the other person to be in control of their own feelings and whether they're happy with a decision or not, and you need to be okay that they may be unhappy. And that's one thing I've learned through this whole process in the last uh, year and getting divorced. I've kind of known that, but I've really seen it. And so just because you can see a solution to a problem doesn't mean that the other person wants it. Think about this, like so my, my, my chronic pain patients, you know, they they haven't always... I'm not going to say all of them, but a majority of people in chronic pain, you know, it becomes a part of their identity. And so solving the chronic pain problem means they lose a part of their identity and they have to change. And that identity has, a, you know, built relationships or built types of relationships for them. So just because you see a solution to someone else's problem doesn't mean that they want it. For instance, I race bicycles and I was working as a bike messenger and I'm commuting downtown in San Francisco. And I see this woman struggling to ride this bike that looks too big for her. And I pulled up next to her. And I was like, Hey, you know, like it looks like your seat's a little high. Maybe if you lowered it, it'd be easier to ride your bike and reach the pedals. And she snapped at me and she was like, my boyfriend set this up for me and it's the right height. And I was like, Phew. I was like, Holy shit. I was like, okay. And that's the day I realized 
I was probably 25. They, people don't want you to solve their problems. Um, or, or what is it? People, you can't solve people's problems unless they want you to. I mean, this was clearly a problem. Like she could barely reach the pedals. She's struggling to get on and off this bike. So that's why in sales, you have to ask people is, is it okay if I help you with this? I hear that you have this problem. Would, would you be open to chatting more about it and seeing if I can help you? And they'll be like, no, or like, yeah, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Right? So we have to really ask permission sometimes. And that's why I know when someone pays me to help them with their body or their business, that they've given me permission to help them with their problems. And sometimes they'll come onto a coaching call and they really just want to be heard. They already know the solution. They don't always need me to solve their problem, but sometimes I'm like, just do this. <laughs> and, um, and sometimes it feels like it was inappropriate comment, but it's not because what well, we're here to, talk about solving problems in business and at the same time it's uh it's inappropriate because society doesn't just allow you to like kind of bark orders at people and that's why it feels that way but really i know that some people need to process and just be heard and just be like i just need to talk this out and sometimes people are just like here's the problem i just need a quick solution let's get this off my plate and finding the the nuance between the two is sometimes pretty hard. And one thing that I've learned about myself is I'm just going to be more myself. I'm trying not to speak the, the every thought that comes through my mind, because sometimes they'll just come out out of context. But if you ask for help, I'm just going to give you help. I'm going to tell you what I think. I'm going to try to do it in a way that lands well for you. And that's why I used to think it was coaching was all about just giving you the strategies and tactics. And really now it's about helping you see the strategies and tactics that you need to use, helping you get out of your own way and helping people come to a solution to a problem, you know, without me just saying, sometimes it's easy to say, Hey, do this. And people do it. Boom. Joey Seaforth clearly is just doing it because he quit his full-time job. And then his first month without having like a part-time job, he did like 22 K and it was like his, he started his business in January and that was July, but he spent like four or five months doing part-time work and et cetera. I have to go back and look at the numbers, but he, he joined our mastermind in this, this summer, like three, three months ago, maybe, and like rapidly increased his revenue. But then as soon as he got out of his full-time job, it just started to explode. And sometimes it's these other things that hold you back. Let me get back on track. I did take my Ritalin this morning. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. When you have, when, when you think differently than other people, you have to be okay that you just think differently than other people and they may not get it. And not everyone you help is going to get, going to get it. Or not everyone you work with is going to get it. And so not everyone you work with, can you help? Everyone's got their own story. Everyone has their own set of circumstances. And it's your job to do your best. I'm going to give you, in just a second, I'm going to give you some ways that I manage ADD that hopefully will help you. But if you're working in a job and you're just struggling and, or you're working with a partner and they're just like not buying into things, like you might need to get out of that situation so that you can fully thrive. Or if you start a business and you're like, you're down on yourself because you can't get shit done and you can't focus and you're trying to do everything, maybe what you need is some focus. 
maybe what you need is someone else to just help you create a game plan and know exactly what to work on. Cause I know, um, with, uh, my coaching program, black belt, every, um, six to eight weeks, we create a new game plan we meet three times a year. And I know when I have a focus and I have a project to work on for the next six weeks, I can laser focus on that. I know that when I worked with Bedros, he was like, your focus is to get to, you know, 12, then 25 and then 50 mastermind members. It's like, okay, great. I'm not going to do anything in my, I really, I have, but I'm, my focus is say, Hey, I'm not going to take on projects or side projects that are not focused on getting me to that goal. I've done some things that have taken me off target. I thought they were going to keep me on target, but they ended up taking me off target and I dropped them like PT email engine. I thought it initially it did help people in the program, but it was one of those things that caused a lot of like stress and a lot of, uh, problems for my team. It was a big time suck. It was, um, low, uh, it was high value to our clients who used it, but it didn't really add much to me in my business. And that's why we got rid of it. We stopped selling it and started partnering with Brandon and built out DPT Preneur, which is a lot more capabilities. It's easier to get started on and it's an easier process and also got some of these headaches off my shoulders, but some of the headaches, um, with the different software are, are non issues. So that was another thing is like active campaign couldn't support me to support my hundreds of clients in PT email engine. So we're still, you know, people who have it, you know, still have it, but, um, I'm encouraging and, and moving myself over to this new platform. So let me get back <laughs> on target. Your goal is to do the, to lock on and do the things that you know you need to do. And sometimes you just need to know, you need clarity on the goal and clarity on the strategies. And then you can lock on because you know why this is important to you. And that's why I work with coaches. And that's why my coaching, what my coaching clients get working with us is they have a game plan, a very specific plan. They know exactly what to work on to crush their goals. We build out goals. We build them together. We work on these things. And then I give you better problems and you come and say, Aaron, I've encountered this new problem. And instead of thinking about it for three months and trying a bunch of things, can you tell me what your thoughts are on it? I'll be like, do this and do that. Maybe I'll ask a couple questions. I'll be like, do it this way. A coaching client um, came to me last week and was like, Aaron, I have this opportunity to rent another space in another gym. And it's going to be another 500 bucks a month. And I think I'd like to do it so I get access to those gym members. Um, but I'm not really in a position yet where I can really afford to pay an additional 500 bucks a month. I mean, I could, but it doesn't feel like that'd be the right move. And I was like, dude, totally got you. I was like, instead of renting a space there, I was like, don't close the door on it, but tell them not right now, but ask how about if I teach a weekly movement and mobility class here at the gym, right? Because his existing location was, you know, half a mile away. So it wasn't like it was a new location on the other side of town that was more convenient for people. It was just going to spread them too thin. And it was teach a, teach a movement mobility class once a week or, you know, whatever, and make sure it's a paid for class. And during the class or beginning of the class, you tell people, here's what I do. And today this is what we're going to work on. And this is what you're going to get out of this class. And you make it something, especially as a physical therapist that trainers aren't going to teach. And you talk about like, and this is what I did when I taught yoga was I would teach people about their bodies and they're not getting that from any other yoga teacher. 
unless that other yoga teacher is a physical therapist. And people learn more and they go, wow, you're an expert. And then they ask you about the problems and you say at the end, like, hey, if anyone's struggling with any injuries or issues, I'm gonna be around class for about 10 minutes. Happy for you to come and chat with me and do some quick injury assessments if you have anything going on or have any questions. And now you're an expert in this other gym or yoga studio and you're not paying rent there, but you have access to the clientele. You know, it's just one way to to solve that problem. And he was like, oh my God, you know, I went, you know, like this is exactly what I need to do. I went from, you know, struggling and, and having some like really some, and he didn't say this, but having some anxiety about this decision and not knowing the right path forward to then just having this, you know, short, you know, five, 10 minute conversation about this to knowing exactly what he needs to do now and having absolute clarity. And I've done this with other um, coaching clients. Um, Alex Langford, for example, out in Hawaii, um, she teaches, she does paddling and she does like a paddling workshop. Um, I think she does even, she even did yoga. I've got other people doing similar things where, where they're, they're teaching and coaching. Um, Kristen Schultz, I think is was doing, was she doing Pilates or yoga at a studio? Um, so it's, there's these little things and it's one of these strategies, but it's not an everybody's strategy, you know, but this is sometimes strategy, but it's like, how do you, how do you, um, choose the right strategy. I know I've got the right strategy because I run it by my coaches and they go, that's the right strategy. Or they're like, how about try this? And I'm like, oh, that's exactly it. Boom. Happened on a call last week. So anyways, here's five ways. Actually, maybe this is six. I think I added one when we were talking. Here's six ways that I'm, that I manage the ADD and I've learned over the years. Hopefully you can pick up one of these things. Okay. Number one, write it down, make lists. I used to have uh, lists on my forearm, on my lefty, so my right forearm, and kind of the running joke was I should just get a tattoo there with a to-do list on my forearm. Um, but I don't really want a to-do, a to-do list that's at an angle on my forearm. If I put it on my forearm, and if you can, on YouTube, you can see I'm pointing my forearm, but in, and I had it look like straight down, I wouldn't be able to stay in the lines. <laughs> write down, make lists. That's why Google Keep is... I use a lot, I use um, Google Tasks as well to write down lists. Remember, it's not about your to-do list, it's your done list that counts. You're, you're never finish your to-do list, but make a list and prioritize it. Number two, use a calendar. Oh my, like I used to carry around a paper calendar and the number one problem was the days didn't go to like 9 p.m. And I used to treat massage clients from four to nine but most people are working eight to five. And so the calendars would go to five o'clock. So it was really hard year to year to find the replacements that would have, um, that, that would go to the evening or some of them wouldn't have times on them, but then I'd have to write the times in and that didn't work for me either. Now with like Google calendar or Apple calendar, or whatever makes it so much easier. If it's not on my calendar, it's not happening. This also caused a lot of problems with my ex-wife. Even now, I'm like, she's like, are we doing this? I'm like, it's on the calendar. <laughs> Even my dad is like, on the 23rd, I'm like, I don't, is, what time is the play? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I got to can look at my calendar though. Like, I can't keep those things in my head. It causes me too much anxiety. I'll miss it. So I have to write it down. And if it's, if it's on my calendar, it exists. If it's not on my calendar, it doesn't. There are plenty of times where we'd have something and, um, my ex would say, hey, where are you? I'm like, 
well, I'm at this other thing. I was like, well, the thing wasn't on the calendar. Like it's gotta be on the calendar. And we shared it. The cool thing was, is with technology, you can share a calendar. She had it too, but the calendar wasn't that important to her. But for me, I know if it's on my calendar, it's happening. I can set reminders. I can see it. It's how I time block my days. Okay, number three, take action on the small things and complete the tasks. So number one, like you got something like, you know, okay, all I gotta do is just do it now and it's done. Like for me, like that just happens. Like little small things. I know it's gonna take me two minutes. I try not to push it off. I'll try to complete it. Um, I also struggle if like the kids are home and I know, hey, if I open this email, I need to respond to it. It's gonna take me more than five minutes and it's gonna cause me to have to think and use my brain. Like if I do that, like I might get halfway through it and so of course someone's gonna come ask me a question. So I, I don't do those things, I try not to, which is tough because a lot of people can probably do these little five, 10 minute things while you're home with the kids, but I can't because as soon as someone interrupts me, I'm like, let me finish my thought so I can get to you. And two minutes later, they're like, oh no, never mind." And I'm just like, but I just stopped what I was doing to pay attention to you. So I can multitask, but I can't multi-focus, I think is maybe the word. Okay, number four is time block. Even what we use for homework, it's called the time timer, T-I-M-E-T-I-M-E-R. It's a little analog clock. It's got a big red piece on the dial. You can set it for 20 minutes and it'll count down and there's this visual countdown and we use that for homework. I'm like, look, just do 20 minutes of homework. Boom, super easy. I probably should get one at work, but I'm used to just sitting down and doing the things in my own way, but it's great time block. Um, and, main, and four and five kind of run together. So five is maintain a routine. So my keys and wallet are always in the same place. People go, I can't find my keys. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I solve that problem by always putting them in the same place, my right front pocket. If my keys aren't in my right front pocket, I don't know where they are. And they may not exist. So like I always like, I will do things, I maintain a routine. You know, so things always go in the same place. Like if it's not on my body, it always goes in the same drawer or the same cabinet or something. It's always there so I know where it is. But if it goes in different places, like, you know, if you walk in and you drop your keys on the table sometime, on your on your bed stand another, in the kitchen counter somewhere, like you're never gonna find your keys. And for me, like for most people that, who cares? They may never care. But for me, I'm like, where are my keys? Like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of anxiety because there's a lot of time in replacing them. I'm like, yeah. They just always go in my pocket. So there may be other things, like it's the routine, it's the daily habits that also help me maintain focus and not have to worry about those things. You know, I also decided a few years ago, I'm only gonna dress in whites, blues, blacks, and grays, because now I don't have to worry about if I wear a red shirt or a green shirt, what color socks do I wear with it, right? Wake up and work out at the same time. You always know when your workout is, your weekly schedule. You know, I know that um, my my Monday schedule is I've got team meetings. I got a meeting with my therapist in the afternoon. I pick up my kids. Tuesdays, I have a block of time and then a meeting for our mastermind members at 12. And then I in the afternoon, um, I've got a team meeting for the clinic and I go pick up the kids. Wednesdays, I will do um, work on something deep in the morning and I'll do calls in the afternoon. Thursdays, I'll do calls in the afternoon. You know, same thing morning, I have some deep work or whatever. Fridays is generally a, a podcast recording day, content day. This is actually, I'm recording this on a Tuesday morning, 
because I didn't, I was out of town last Friday and didn't get to record and get things out of my head. So I know that. So what happened during the pandemic is time got all weird and I started scheduling some calls on like Wednesday mornings and Thursday mornings and I'd show up late or miss them because I wasn't used to having calls with other people in the morning. Um, so maintain a schedule, maintain a routine. It, it makes it so your brain doesn't have to worry about what are you doing next. It can worry about how well are you doing the next thing, right? Number six, if you've got ADD, ADHD, there's no shame in taking some medication. It helps me. It not only helps me focus and get things done. It A few years ago, I realized I was coming home at the end of the day on Monday afternoons, because Mondays have always been my afternoon with the kids, even when um, I was married. And... Um, but I would get a lot of anxiety. I like my, like my spine would get tight. And I was just, oh, because what I'm still doing is I'm juggling all these undone things from Monday morning in the afternoon. And I didn't used to like to take, um, medication when I was uh, with the kids. Cause I was like, I'm not there for work. I should be like unbridled Aaron, but it was, I'm juggling too much and there's too many requests in multiple areas and it was hard to focus. And I started taking it and I was more calm and focused with the kids. And I didn't have this like tightness in my back because I wasn't have to, having to keep all these balls up in the air. I was able to like land them. Um, not only land them before I came home, but I, would, I was able to like leave that alone. I had taken some Adderall in, in PT school um, and it made me an asshole. So I don't really like taking that. Um, but from I've taken some other stuff like oh, 20 years ago, Stratera, and I took it, and I think I took it for a little while. It's a reuptake inhibitor, and then I stopped and I took it again, and that's one you have to take consistently. And it gave me the, but I I didn't I didn't really realize that, and it gave me the cold sweats and made me feel terrible. And I was like, I'm never taking this stuff again. Um, so I don't really like that. Caffeine I can do with or without. It doesn't really. It's one of those things that. It doesn't really do much for me. I like the ritual of making coffee because it's part of my routine and ritual. Um, but Ritalin doesn't help me do more work if I don't have focus and a meaning and a and a why for the work. Um, okay, it's not like a it's not the the medicine's not the superpower. It's the thing that allows me to kind of focus and keep my brain clear so I can get some things done. So those are kind of my little things, and I probably shared some more along the way. Hopefully there's one of those that will, um, one thing here that will help you. Um, what I want to leave you with is, as a problem solver, as someone who sees the world in a little bit different way, that is absolutely your gift. Okay, you need to use it. You need to use it in the best way possible. You use it for good, and you need to find a way. If you're not able to use it every day, you need to find a way that you can use it every day because that will allow you to solve bigger problems, like bigger problems for one person and big, and, and even a smaller problem for a bigger amount of people. You, the bigger the problems you can solve in the world and for people, the more impact you're going to have and the more money you can make. And as we all know, money loves speed. Money is energy. Money wants you to earn it. And it's your job to go out there and earn it and use it for good. Use your skills for good and help a lot of people. And I'll see you on the next show. Peace. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed the episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, 
please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a five-star rating and review over on iTunes. And to catch all the latest from me, follow me over on Instagram at Aaron LeBauer. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.